Now, every week is special. Every week is a celebration of Christ and what he's done for us. Every week is an opportunity for us to gather together and rehearse together what Jesus has done in our midst to our lives, to us as a church, um, what he will do in his coming kingdom. We have the opportunity every week to rehearse that, to remember that in the reading of scripture, in the singing of songs, and in the preaching of God's word. And so each week is special. There is nothing like Sunday morning. And today we're going to celebrate a significant Sunday morning. We're going to celebrate a significant Sunday morning because this morning we have the privilege of ordaining for ministry, eldership, Steve Tong and Jeff Palin. Now, if you're with us as a guest today, you or are new, you need to know our typical practice is to preach through books of the Bible. Like next week, we're going to preach, begin preaching in the Psalms. We've, we went through Hosea, and there's other books that we go through straight through the Bible. Today is an exception. Today, instead of considering one passage, we're going to consider what the entirety of the New Testament has to say about elders. We're going to try to answer this question. Because we're, in, we're installing Jeff, and we're installing Steve as elders. We're going to ask the question, what is an elder? Now, we're going to be explaining this from many different places in the New Testament. It's something of a topical sermon on what an elder is. Now, we're going to introduce the topic by looking back to our old friend, Peter. Peter, who is, was a veteran of all sorts of different shepherding challenges, but one that made it. And so he gives us some advice. He speaks directly to the elders, and he speaks this way in our hearing. So if you have your Bible, look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Here's his charge. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Let's pray. Lord, I pray, Lord, for all of us. We sit here, we sit submitted to your word, all of us, every single one of us in this room. And Lord, as we position ourselves under this, under you and under your word, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning by the power of your spirit. I pray, Lord, that, that we would see the purpose of eldership here at our church and the purpose of eldership in advancing your kingdom in this city and around the world. And I ask that you would build us all up as we consider this question what is an elder? I pray that this question would be answered not just from the pages of Scripture, although we trust it will be, but also in the persons of Steve and Jeff. And Lord, we pray in your name, Jesus Christ, the one to whom we look forward to seeing one day face to face. In your name, amen. So I'm going to say four things about what an elder is. First, what is an elder? You need to know an elder is a pastor and an overseer. You might be used to the type of church government that says that there are pastors and then there are elders. 
There's pastors who preach most of the time and elders that govern. Now that distinction, it might surprise you, but that distinction is not in the Bible. In the Bible, the New Testament shows us that an elder is the same thing as an overseer, which is the same thing as a pastor. Those, those are all synonyms. Those words all mean the same thing. And I'm not just going to ask you to take my word for it. I'm going to show you the classic text that communicates this. And we see this in Acts chapter 20. A lot of verses will be projected up behind me, and you can follow along as I read. Acts chapter 20, verse 17. Paul, when he's in Miletus, he calls the, he sends to Ephesus for the elders so that he might give them a charge. He says this in verse 17. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. Notice that it's plural. So we would see here and many other places in the New Testament that the pattern of eldership is a plurality. Not just one, but many. He called the elders to come to him, and when they came to him, <clears throat> he said to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to, to you anything that was profitable in teaching you in public from house to house, testifying both to Jews, to Greeks, of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none, none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Now pay attention carefully to verse 28. Paul says, Pay attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Again, overseer and elder are the same thing. He's using elder and overseer interchangeably. And he says, To care for the church of God. Or another way to translate that is to shepherd the church of God or to pastor the church of God. An elder and overseer mean the same thing. An elder and an overseer are shepherds. Now, sometimes we say pastor. Pastor is just a Latin word that means shepherd. This is what, so an elder is a pastor, is an overseer. So we use elder and pastor interchangeably, even though in the American landscape, this isn't always the way it happens. And so I hope I haven't belabored this point, but I want you to understand a little bit about the government we see as reflected in the pages of the New Testament because I always, I've interacted with people to ask these sorts of questions on a regular basis, and I hope that makes it clearer. So we would see an elder and a pastor and an overseer as the same thing. Secondly, we would see an elder, I put it this way, an elder is before he does. An elder is before he does. Now, now this, what I'm trying to get, get across here is that the, the emphasis in Scripture is more upon the elder's character 
and qualification than his gifting. See, in two places, Paul instructs a pair of young men to what to look for when it comes to setting in elders. He doesn't say, look for the smartest, look for the, the, look for the ones that have the most time, look for the people who are the most gifted, look for the most popular, look for those who are liked widely, but he says, look for men of character. I want you to see in 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 7, what Paul says, here are elders, here's what they are to look like. And I want you to think through with me as I read this, how many different giftings Paul points to. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. The task is noble, the man need not be. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if one does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare, into a snare of the devil. How many giftings did, did, did Paul point out to Timothy? One, able to teach. Able to teach. In fact, if you look at this list, this list is a list that applies to all Christians or should. We're all to be sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. The only thing that, that, that differentiates an elder from others is the ability to teach. And that ability to teach may be on Sunday from this pulpit. That ability to teach may be across the table in counseling. That ability to teach might be in discipleship at Starbucks. That ability to teach might be expressed in a classroom setting or in different ministries throughout the church. But teaching is that one strength, that one gifting that elders are all called to have. But the emphasis in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 is upon character. There are many gifted men who can string together a few sentences. Many of these men have been thrown against a pulpit, and they've shipwrecked their lives and churches on the rocks of their own disqualification. This is why we consider what a man is before we consider what he might do. You see, this list here that we saw in 1 Timothy 3 is not some supercharged, otherworldly, souped-up list that doesn't apply to everyone. It does. This list ought to describe all of us, but especially elders. And this is why it takes us time. See, what we want to do is make sure that that, that these men, that th these men clearly have gifts, but we want to make sure that, that these men and their character attest to their calling more than their gifts. And I can testify to both the character and the gifting of both Steve Tong and Jeff Palin. I've served alongside with Steve for the better part of a decade now, and he served our church tirelessly as our administrator. Now, throughout his time at Center Church, he has always exhibited a pastoral gifting. 
especially in the area of discipleship. He's worn many hats, but over the years, one of the consistent themes that we've seen is that he has had fruit in discipleship. He's come alongside many and helped them follow and love Jesus more. Now, about five years ago, Steve started studying for what is, by any measurement, a rigorous ordination test. This exam is four, is, comes in four parts, and preparation means that you need to write, read 3,000 pages and write something on the order of six different papers. And Steve worked at that for five years. Steve is faithful. Steve is steady. You can set your watch by Steve Tong. He is the epitome of being ready in season and out of season. And he serves our church in a lot of ways. And many of those may not be obvious, but to all of us who have been around for a while and see, we know the value he brings to our church. He has character. He loves Jesus. And he loves you. He loves you. It's not just that Steve wants to be an elder. It's that Steve wants to be involved with all of us. He wants to shepherd us. He wants to shepherd me. Because I'll tell you what, pastors need pastors more than you think. But that's another sermon for another day. He's worked hard to, be, to pass these tests. In the beginning, he, was, he would tell you he wasn't much of a studier or a reader. But over the last decade, I've seen that change. I've seen him read and consume books and theology so that now he can, he can engage in a way that he wasn't able to 10 years ago. And so I'm grateful that Steve will be able to serve here as an elder at our church. Now, he's still going to be responsible for church operations, and it's not as if all of a sudden his, his role is going to shift where he's preaching on a regular basis, but he'll be doing operations. He'll be serving bivocationally with discipleship, with some counseling, and then other teaching opportunities as well. Jeff Palin and his family have been a part of our church since 2016. And if you, are, if you know Jeff, you know that he's distinguished himself over the last almost two years in the youth ministry um, in our church. Jeff is married to Barb, and they have three girls and a boy. Right now, Jeff is an engineer at Verizon, but his heartbeat and his passion is the church. Um, Jeff is a hard worker. He works, he works all day, but he also is going to school. Now, this isn't something that he just started to do. Jeff is a year away from graduating from Phoenix Seminary with a Master's of Divinity. He has worked hard to get to that spot. Now, before he went to seminary, he didn't have his bachelor degree, so he got his bachelor's degree, all while raising a family and working a nine-to-five. He has been working and going to school and raising a family for a decade. And I'll tell you what, seminary is no cakewalk, and Jeff is working hard because he has a passion to rightly divide the Word of God. And Jeff loves Jesus. You know what? Sometimes there are people, you, want, you have theological questions, go talk to Jeff. He can tell you all kinds of stuff about theology. You'll love it. If you, have the, if you have that kind of mind, he likes to talk about theology like that. You know, have you ever talked to somebody about theology who, doesn't, who, who can talk theology but doesn't understand how it connects to Jesus or loving Jesus? That's not Jeff. Jeff is smart, 
but he loves theology because he loves Jesus. Knowing theology fuels his love for Christ. Not only does he have a passion for Jesus, he has a passion to serve you. Not just for this year or next year, but for the long term. He served as a small group leader. He served in youth ministry. He's done a great job. He will begin, when we install him, he'll be bivocational, continuing to work at Verizon, and as we and looking to continue to serve in youth ministry, and his responsibilities will continue to be enlarged as we go forward, but we will give you plenty of notice on all of those things. Both Steve Tong and Jeff Palin love you very much. I've seen this. They have the character that is commensurate with 1 Timothy chapter 3. I've heard them pray for you. I've seen how they've sacrificed for you. I've seen their eager desire to serve you. I've seen how they want to spend and be spent for you. These men are elders. So what, are, what is an elder? We've seen an elder is a pastor and overseer. An elder is before he does. Thirdly, an elder is a shepherd. Now, we talked briefly about this, but I want us to see this again. An elder is a shepherd, not a consultant, not an advisor, not a life coach, a shepherd, a shepherd, one who is with the people, one who looks to be amongst the people for their good. Peter says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. That's what elders are called to do. Elders are shepherds. They're not business managers primarily. Um, they're not primarily called to help make us all successes or make us happy. An elder must be one who watches both himself and the church. This is what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. See, ordination today is not a message that someone has, has arrived, but it is the beginning of a continual, never-ending, always-demanding journey of a, life, of a life of watching. Elders are to watch their lives carefully, and they're to watch all of us carefully. Elders are no different. Robert Robertson... Robert Robinson said this in his song, Come Thou Fount. He wrote these words, Bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. This is, elders feel this too. Pastors feel this too. We're all prone to wander from what is right and true. And so an elder is to watch over himself and all of us. And elders are going to fail. They're going to make mistakes. An elder is not a perfect, but faithful. We'll do our best, and we will fail. There are times that we may sin and sin against you, and other times we're just going to make dumb mistakes, but not all mistakes are sin. Sometimes we're just going to not do well. But that said, an elder must be faithful and watch himself and others. And so how does an elder shepherd in his watchfulness? Here's a few examples that I'm just going to go through quickly that explains how an elder practically shepherds. One way is by teaching the scriptures. We've talked about this before, but an elder teaches the scriptures. We don't teach opinion. We're not TED Talk kind of experiences here to sort of give us tips for living. What we want to do is bring you close to God's Word so that you can read God's Word, so that you can hear God's Word preach, and so you can 
know the God of this Bible, not just so that we can be happy and successful and feel good about ourselves. What we want to do is we want to know the God of this Bible. That's what elders are called to do. This doesn't just happen on Sunday morning. This happens in counseling. This happens in discipleship. This happens on the phone and in text messages. This happens in all of the life and ministry of an elder. We teach in singing and praying and baptizing and communion and counseling in classroom settings. In every ministry setting, we as shepherds are called to teach the scriptures. Another way we shepherd is by governing and leading. With the shepherd, with the, with the scriptures, we're called to use the scriptures as our guide to govern and lead the church well. This takes wisdom because there are so many issues of wisdom and decisions that we have to make that the scriptures don't say, thou shalt start your church service at blank time. It doesn't say that. And so that, there's a thousand different examples, much harder than that one, that, that take wisdom. This is why we pray. This is why we seek God, because we want to be faithful in governing and leading. So we have to pray. How should we serve our small group leaders? What is the Lord calling our church to do in the fall of 2021 and, this, and the, the winter of 2022? How can we ensure that we represent eternity as important as it is? All of these things take wisdom. How can we train people to evangelize? What seminars do we, need to, do we need to teach? How can we faithfully practice church discipline even though nobody wants to? Those are some of the ways. These are some of the ways that we govern and lead. That's a shepherd. Shepherd teaches from the scriptures. Shepherd governs and leads. A shepherd also protects. Now, none of us think we need protection, but we all do. All of us. All of us. Paul warns the Ephesian elders, when he says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among yourselves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. People who show up speaking twisted things don't come and say, hey, listen, just as a, you know, caveat emptor, be, um, I just want to warn you, I'm going to speak some twisted things that sound very close to truth. Um, and so don't listen to me. I'm going to make a lot of noise. It's going to seem impressive. Everybody's going to maybe be drawn to me. And then, uh, but you shouldn't listen to me because I'm speaking twisted words. That's not how false teachers do it. They come in and they sound good. Elders are called to throw themselves in front of these false teachers. And recognize that there is a level of protection that we must bring. You, you might be most afraid of what the government will do to compromise the freedom of religion in our country. To me, that's not even a shadow, a shadow of a threat in comparison to what gossip and slander and rumors can do in any, any church. That fire can spread in a way the government, has, the government can't touch. Listen, inside threats are always greater than the outside. Always always without fail. The U.S. is going to be, here's a free glimpse into the future, the U.S. is going to be less and less friendly to Christians. Absolutely. But our greatest threat is not from jackbooted government officials, but our greatest threat is from within. And so that means that there are times that elders will warn you of things that you don't yet see. 
or tell you of things that you have not yet heard. As elders, our goal is to be trusted more than to be loved. And there will be times that, as Isaiah 19 says, that we bring the word of God and wound. And other times we bring the word of God and heal. And that's part of what it is to preach through God's word. We've got nothing if we don't have God's word. Nothing. Zero. I've got a lot of good ideas about life, but if they don't line up with here, goodness gracious, it's worthless. I don't want to equip you to have a good vacation. I want to equip you to love Jesus. And there's a difference. So elders are going to want to shape, and they're going to want to shepherd. Elders are also going to want to love and care. That's what shepherds do. A shepherd is called to be patient and loving and caring. This means to express love on a regular basis. This means there'll be sometimes you get shepherds' late-night texts, the sending and receiving of late-night texts. That means that these men, Steve and Jeff, will probably be walking hospital halls alone after hours. There'll be some times where we come alongside the weak and the vulnerable to protect them. There'll be tears that we cry, that they cry, that no one sees. There'll be, there'll be whispered prayers before a funeral. Joyous prayers before a wedding. There'll be times that they accompany people to court hearings. There'll be other times where they sit with sobbing parents or children. They'll get the call that it's cancer or that an accident just happened. Shepherds love and care. They weep with those who weep. They rejoice with those who rejoice. And these two men, Jeff and Steve, will do just that. And I can commend them to you wholeheartedly. I know they love you, but I commend someone else to you who's more important than them. Paul said it this way, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Steve and Jeff, Trey and I, we love you, but we have not died for you. We have not bled for you. We're not... Jesus is the chief shepherd, the chief elder. We're just merely under-shepherds. We love you, but we've never paid the price that Christ paid for you. Our Savior, our substitute, as he contemplated hanging on the cross, bearing the wrath that God would put upon him, our perfect substitute, sweat, blood. No elder did that for any people. Our perfect sacrifice, had a crown of thorns pressed into his head. No elder has done that. Our Savior has been, was beaten to such a degree that his internal er organs were exposed. He, was, he took the place of sinners. He carried the wrath of God. He became sin so that we who do not know sin might become the righteousness of God. An elder is not called to those things. Jesus is the only one who can and did these things. But every, ev every elder must point to the one who sweat blood, who wore a crown of thorns, who was beaten, who took the place of sinners. 
<coughs> Listen, you're going to be with Jesus forever. We as elders will be your elders, not for a brief time, or for a brief time, not because anyone's planning on going anywhere, but because our life is a vapor and we do not know what tomorrow holds. We have no idea what the sun will bring with tomorrow. Life is a quick and passing thing. But Jesus, Jesus is different. He died and rose again and has risen to an indestructible life. And our job as under-shepherds is to point away from us and point to Him. To point away from who we are and point to what He has done. And to remind you that there is a, even though there's a world of noise out there pushing in to try to get your attention, there's only one place and one person worthy of all your attention, worthy of all your trust, and His name is Jesus Christ. That's our job. So an elder is a pastor. He's an overseer. An elder is before he does, and an elder shepherds. Lastly, (coughs) an elder will give an account. An elder will give an account. And this is one of the most sobering things for elders. James says, not many of you should be teachers, brothers, because you will face a stricter judgment. Same thing with elders here. Hebrews, the writer of the Hebrews says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. As those who will give an account. Every elder will give an account to the Lord of the church. Because this church is not mine. It's not ours as elders. It's the Lord's. And one day, I am going to be called to account going to look in the eyes of the risen one, those eyes of fire, the one that radiates grace and truth. And he's going to ask me and he's going to ask the elders a series of questions. How did you serve and help the people at Center Church? Those people I bled for. Those people I died for. Did you point them to me or yourself? He's going to ask questions like, did you shrink from unpopular themes? Did you build up the weak? Did you chase the wandering? Did you challenge the idle? Did you t- or did you tickle ears and, or burn hearts? Did you protect them from themselves and false teachers? Did you challenge idols? Did you encourage and build up and smile and laugh? Did you point them to me, to to Jesus, instead of trying to be their Savior? Did you pray for them? Did you train them? Did you warn them of the dangers of prosperity? Did Did you see to their security or your comfort? Did you fight legalism, confront license? Did you work hard to rightly divide the word of truth? These are the kinds of things that every elder will have to give an account. And it's sobering. It's sobering, and it's a reminder that we give an account as elders. Sure, we're accountable to you, absolutely. But primarily, we're accountable to Jesus Christ. Because these, you, Christians, are his. You're his. You're not mine. We install Jeff and we install Steve, but they have no ownership over you. They didn't buy you. Jesus did, though. And he didn't buy you with money or a bartering system. But his own blood, 
And so I know that as we install both Steve and Jeff, these men are going to be men who point you to that one who bought you with his own blood. And we should be grateful. I'm going to call Steve and Jeff to join me now. And as they come, just so you know, what we're going to do is I'm going to ask them a series of questions. See, what, what they're doing in being installed is they are, um, you know, covenanting, as it were, themselves to us as a church. And so it's, it's going to carry a formality that is, um, that is it seem, maybe seems a little heavy or out of the ordinary or whatever, um, but this formality is a formality that we're doing on purpose. It's going to feel a little bit like the vows at a wedding because this is not just a job. These guys are, um, they're saying, I'm, going, I'm, I'm promising to be a shepherd here. And so those are things that we don't just say, okay, great, you know, what do you want for lunch? What we do is we want to make sure that we, we take these moments and we mark them out. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask them these questions, and they're going to respond with? I will. I will. Okay. Maybe in unison next time. Um, we'll work on that. All right. Um, Steve Tong, Jeff Palin. Do you promise to shepherd the flock of God, not under compulsion, but willingly, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock? Do you promise to faithfully guard the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer? And, to, and do you promise to protect that flock from false teaching, division, and dissension? Do you promise to care for the flock of God, not as a hireling, but as an under-shepherd of a great shepherd, caring for his sheep as the precious ones for whom he died? Do you, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and this congregation, promise to preach the word in season and out of season, and do you promise to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience, enduring suffering, while remaining sober-minded in all of your preaching and teaching, and will you do the work of an evangelist among those whom God has given you charge? I will. Do you declare sincerely before God that you believe all the articles and points of doctrine contained in the Sovereign Grace Statement of Faith, and fully agree with the, that they fully agree with the Scriptures. Do you own that Statement of Faith as the statement and confession of your faith? And do you promise to teach and defend these doctrines in public and in private? I will. I will. Do you promise further that if in the future you come to have reservations about any of these doctrines, you will share these reservations with your eldership and the Regional Assembly of Elders? Do you promise to keep a close watch on yourself and to walk humbly before others, to be self-suspicious of your own motives, to invite criticism from others, and to make yourself accountable to those whom God has put in your life? I will. Do you submit without exception to the explicitly mandated practices of the Sovereign Grace Book of Church Order, affirming that form of government is a wise and suitable application of the scriptural principles? Do you promise to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel and to show yourself in all respects, in action and in speech, to be a model of good works, integrity, and dignity, so that neither the church nor, nor our Savior Jesus Christ nor the gospel may be brought into reproach? I will. 
Do you promise to continually seek the gifts of the Spirit that you might serve God's people, not in the energy of the flesh, but in the power of the Holy Spirit to carry out your ministry without fear of man? Okay, and then now what we're going to do as a church is we're going to respond. Um, I'm going to say something to you, and you say, now they did really well saying I will kind of in unison. We're going to need to do the same thing. And I think we need to say we do, okay? So I'm going to read these, and then we're going to say we do, okay? And I'll point to you, and I'm going to say it with you because it takes a little choreography. Is that the word? Um, It takes what? We're not dancing. Verbal choreography. (laughs) All right. So, do you, the people of Center Church, receive receive Steve Tong and Jeff Palin as your pastors? We do. Boom. There we go. Do you promise to receive the word of truth from them with meekness and love and to submit to them in due biblical exercise of their leadership? We do. Do you promise to supply them with whatever material support they may need to fulfill their ministry among you? We do. Do you promise to encourage them in their labors and to assist their ministry and leadership for your spiritual edification, the evangelization of the lost, and the promotion of God's glory? We do. If I can have Trey come. Guys, we are... Listen, I can speak on behalf of everyone here that we're exceedingly grateful that you are willing to partner together with all of us as elders um, to be able to further the purposes of the kingdom in all of our lives and in the life or in, the, in this community as well. And so this is no small thing to us. Um, we love you guys. We respect you guys. Yes, we do. Um, we also have, so in the first service, we gave them a Bible that has their name on it. In the second service here, That's we, Steve's. Okay. The second service, we have their certificate of ordination. This one is to Stephen Tong. And this one is to Jeffrey Allen Palin right there. Got it all. Yeah. grateful for you guys, and I've asked Trey to pray for you um, as you are here officially installed as elders at Center Church. It's my privilege. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for the gift of men to the church, men to lead in these specific roles, Lord, and we pray for Steve and Jeff. Father, that you would bless them for this role that you have called them to fulfill. Bless them with the grace to be the shepherds that you have called them to be. Bless them to be the men that love God more than all things and lead with the love of Christ in their hearts. And Father, we pray for them 
as Paul prayed for the Colossians, that you would fill them with the knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that they can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to you, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to your glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father who has purchased us. Father, for we were delivered from the domain of darkness. Lord, we are transferred to the kingdom of your beloved Son in whom there is redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Father, bless these men, bless their families, bless their walks, and Lord, we look forward to their leadership. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.